I got to tell you, prayer is a big subject. I don't know if you've ever uh, thought about it or done any reading about it. Um, if you take the word prayer <clears throat> and you type it into Amazon.com, you will discover, I've shown you the, the uh, link there, um, you will discover over 200,000 results for books about prayer. Over 200,000. If you type the word prayer into Google, you will discover, what is it, 833 million web pages, books, articles about prayer. And it, and it is growing because actually on my notes, when I wrote it down, there was 716 million. Okay? And now it's 833. So it's continuing to grow. If you don't know, prayer is kind of a a topic that is uh, big in the month of January, all over the world for whatever reason. It's just we kind of start thinking about a new us, a new you, and then a new year. And so prayer is a subject that comes up. Uh, there's so much information out about prayer that I've noticed, though, that most people don't know how to pray. And I want you to grab that outline that you have inside your brochure and fill in the blanks as we walk through it. There's several scriptures today on a double-sided, so I want you to get involved with me. You gotta help me teach this today, and the way that you do that is by getting involved. Most people don't know how to pray. I find it interesting that, I mean, a guy like the Apostle Paul even admits to us that there are times he doesn't know how to pray. Take a look, Romans 8, 26, Paul says, the Spirit helps us with our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we should. Wow. Now, even the guys that Jesus handpicked, the 12 guys that were his closest followers, they didn't really know how to pray. Take a look at Luke chapter 11. We're going to be in Luke 11. If you've got a mobile device or your Bible with you, you can follow along or on the screens or even on the outline. But in Luke 11 verse 1, look at what happens. Once Jesus was praying, which is a regular event that Jesus did, once Jesus was praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, now come on, read it with me, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I think they asked this, of all the things they could have asked, I think they asked this specifically because they saw the results of prayer in Jesus' life. They saw him pray, they saw what happened, his followers saw that prayer was a life support system for Jesus. They recognized that there was nothing more vital in the life of Jesus than prayer. And so they wanted to tap into that, into that source in their lives. I've also noticed something else, and I want you to get this on your outline. Our misunderstanding about prayer is caused by our misconceptions about prayer. And many of us have misconceptions about prayer. Some people think that prayer is like a magic wand, that you wave it at something and hocus pocus, you get what you want. Some people see prayer like rubbing a genie's lamp, and you pray and God shows up and says, your wish is my command. Some people think that prayer is like a first aid kit. They pray when they're hurt. Some people think that prayer is only used in emergencies as a last resort. I've had people say to me, well, pastor, the only thing we can do now is pray. It's like, wait, wait. The first thing we should have done was pray. Some people think that prayer is a tug of war, that you're pulling hard against God trying to get him to do something. Some people think that prayer is like a sales pitch. You keep pestering God and pestering God. And finally, God gets so irritated with you that he says, okay, okay, fine, I'll sign the dotted line. 
I'll give you what you want. Some people think that, that prayer is just a meaningless ritual. Memorized phrases. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I bet you there are some of us in the room, including myself, I'll confess this, that you had memorized prayers when you were growing up. There were certain little prayers. Maybe it was a bedtime prayer. Maybe it was a mealtime prayer that you just prayed. Maybe there are certain phrases that, that you pray, and sometimes if you're not careful, you just kind of slide right into these phrases naturally, and you just pray them because they're memorized, and you're, you're quoting them. For some people, prayer is a religious function, and that's all it is. The right words said in the right way will help you jump through the religious hoops and get on God's good side. In this series, our goal is to demolish misconceptions about prayer and to help us see, and I want you to get this down, help us see that prayer is actually a relationship conversation with God. Prayer is a relationship conversation with God. Come on, say that with me. Prayer is a relationship conversation with God. I want you to turn to the person next to you. You're going to say it again because I want you to kind of drive it, drive it home, drive it in your memory today. Prayer is a relationship conversation with God. It has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with relationship. We'll see that today. So when Jesus was asked, Lord, teach us to pray, guess what Jesus did? He taught them how to pray. Jesus begins to teach what prayer is all about. And the teaching that he gives us can literally change our lives if we begin to live it out and begin to use it. This is what Jesus says. This, verse 2 of Luke 11, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Father. In some versions it says, our Father. We, we know this. It's what's called the Lord's Prayer. Jesus steps into this prayer and, and he addresses God as Father. Now, what's interesting is the Jews understood God as a Father, but they, they understood it on a national, corporate, big-picture kind of way. The, the Jews kept a distance from a holy God. They knew that he said he was their Father, but he would be at a distance from them, not up close and personal. But Jesus speaks about a God like a child would speak about their father. Jesus uses this term father, which in the Aramaic is the word Abba or Papa. I, I'm identifying with that one more than ever. That's the, the title that our grandson Elijah calls me, or I'm hoping that he will do that soon. We were working on that on vacation. Well, I was working on Papa, Papa, just say Papa. You know, he's, he's close because he says the word Bob. We don't really know why he has got this in his system right now. He's been doing it, what, Brooke, for several months. He, you'll, you'll say something to him, and he'll look at you, and he'll go, Bob. <laughs> Serious, Bob. And so I was trying to get him to say, Baba. Okay? I'm, I'm trying to get him close to Papa, and, and you know, Mom is over there going, no, 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 you need to say Mama. Shannon's saying, come on, say Mama. I'm like, no, 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 Papa, right? Papa, Abba, is the word that Jesus uses in Aramaic in this prayer. So, so when he says, our Father, it's really my Father. It's really Daddy God, Papa God, Abba Father. Um, it, it's, a, it's such a tender word of relationship 
between a child and his father. And so I want you to get this down. Jesus invites me to draw near to a holy God who is my father. It's interesting that scholars maintain that this one word, father, that Jesus uses dramatically captures the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant that Jesus talks about. It it becomes an intimacy. It becomes a relationship. And Jesus says that prayer is not some religious thing that you do. It is a relationship conversation with God who is your Father. Wow. So Jesus teaches that a relationship with God should be close and and intimate, that God sees us as a daughter or a son, and that we can approach God like a, like a child would approach a loving father. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul understood as he writes in Galatians 4. Take a look. Paul says, because we are his, what? Children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, here it is, Abba, Father, Daddy God. Jesus pushes this a little bit further when he says in Matthew 6, this is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. Isn't that beautiful? See, friends, if you think, if you feel that prayer is simply a routine or a ritual That means that you do not understand how much God really loves you. You haven't realized how much God cares about you, how much God is interested in your life, your your monthly bills and your car problems and that coworker that irritates you and everything else that's in your life. God cares about these things in your life. Why? Because he's a loving father. This is what I want you to get down, and this is the main point for today. Prayer won't be a problem when I discover how much God really loves me. Prayer will no longer be a problem in your life when you discover how much God really loves you. It becomes a relationship conversation. Now, later in Luke 11, Jesus keeps teaching about prayer. Take a look, verse 5. Teaching them... About prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. Now, you you may look at that and go, wow, what a weird request. Well, no, not really, because they lived in a culture and in a day when food wasn't available like it is today. In the first century, they didn't have Walmart or other 24-hour stores that they could run to. And so basically what you are saying is, I'm out of food, but I have a friend who has come by and I want, he's hungry, I want to feed him. Hospitality was always expected in the Jewish culture. Regardless of when a visitor would show up, you were responsible as the host to serve them. And so... You call out to your friend, you go to a next door neighbor, you call out to your friend, and verse 7 says, and suppose he calls out from his bedroom. So your neighbor is responding, your friend is responding to you. He calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. 
Well, he's not being rude. He's being practical. Let me tell you why. Most homes in this culture had one room for sleeping. Everybody slept in the same room. A lot of the times, animals slept nearby in the, that area as well. So in order to help you, this guy would have to get up and disturb his entire family to help you get some food. Now, how many of you know, if you have families, that sometimes it's hard to get the families down for the night, right? And so you certainly, when you finally put your head on the pillow ready to go to bed, you certainly don't want to have to get up and wake up everybody else in the household in order to help some friend who was lame enough to run out of food, right? And that's what happens in this story. The man isn't being rude. He's just being practical. Look at how Jesus ends this story. But I tell you, Jesus says, though he will not do it for friendship's sake, so he won't get up and wake up his family and give you food for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, some versions, I love this, says, if you keep knocking and waking up all the neighbors, <laughs> I love that, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Do you know friends like that? <laughs> Jesus has already told us that we are the knocker. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, you are the knocker. You are asking for help, right? Jesus has already told, you, told us that. And so automatically what we begin to think when we read this story that Jesus is telling, we begin to think we are the knocker and guess who is the friend that we're trying to get help from? God. That God is the sleeper. And we automatically think that God is reluctant to help us and he has to be coerced into helping us. That if we pester God long enough with our prayer requests, that eventually we'll wear him down and he'll give us what we want. But this isn't what Jesus is teaching at all. Jesus isn't teaching a comparison. He's teaching a contrast. Let me show you. Take a look at what Jesus says next. Verse 9, so I tell you, ask and God will give to you. Wait, that, that's not what the story said, right? That's, that's not what, that's, we, we, we got to pester God long, and, no, 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 Jesus is saying, ask. Look what he says, search and you will find Knock, and the door will be open to you. Yes, everyone who asks will receive. Wow. The one who searches will find, and everyone who knocks will have the door open. And then Jesus continues, and I'm sharing it to you from the message paraphrase because I think this, this is so cool. Look what it says. If your little boy asks for a fish, do you scare him with a snake? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, Jesus is saying, as bad of a person as you are, and we all know we have a little bit of badness in us at times, right? Okay, And he says, as bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. Here's the phrase, how much more your heavenly father will give to those 
who ask him. You know the phrase that caught my attention, and it's in several versions. How much more? That if, that if I'm good to my kids and I'm good to my grandson, and, and I'm a sinful person, by the way, so are you. We all have flaws and problems and issues, right? We're, we all have to admit that. I'm not perfect and you aren't either. And if I'm not a perfect father or a perfect grandfather, and yet I want to take care of my kids and bless my kids and my grandson, I, I want to do good things for them. Jesus is saying, you know how, Bart, you want to do these good things for your kids? Guess what? How much more your heavenly father wants to do for you? He wants to give you, bless you, be involved in your life. Get this down. God is always willing and able to respond when I come to him. He's always willing and able to respond. A few chapters later in the book of Luke, Jesus says, God will always give us, give rather, what is right to his people who cry to him day and night, and he will not be slow to answer them. God will help his people quickly. Something that I've come to realize is no one will ever love me like God does. Now, if you don't know, my wife and I, we just celebrated 34 years of being married. So I have a wife that loves me. Anybody that can put up with me for 34 years has really got some love for me, all right? I just know this for a fact. I've got some great kids that, that I know love me. They put up with me. They put up with my quirks. They, they love me. I've got friends and family members that love me, extended all over the country, really all over the world. And I know they love me. But I've discovered that no one loves me like God loves me. And it's true about you too. No one loves you like God does. God wants to be in a relationship with you. God wants you to come to him. I, I'm convinced that people have a hard time with praying because they fail to recognize how much God loves them. Prayer will not be a problem when you discover how much God really loves you. And that's really a focus throughout these 40 days is to push us into this, this reckless love of God that continues to come. It's never ending. You know, when I was in Bible college, I read these biographies. My, this guy that was kind of a mentor of mine, he suggested that I read some of these biographies of these really um, great leaders, Christian leaders. And so I began reading these things, and, and I discovered that they had a, amazing prayer experiences. When you're in Bible college, you know, you just, you want to be like the next Billy Graham. I mean, that you just, you, you, you want God to use you and change you and work through you and work in you and all of this stuff. And so Early on in those years, I was, I was seeking that, and I, and I would read these books and get to the end of them, and it was like, God, I want to have a prayer life like this. I want to know prayer like this. I want to be in conversation with you like this person was. It made me want to be a person of prayer, to connect with God on a daily basis. And so when I first started out trying to really pray, and if you don't know, I was raised in church, and so prayer was 
kind of a part of my subculture that I was raised in, and so it was always there, and I knew I should be doing it, but I, like most people, didn't really know how to do it, and so I was learning and growing in this, and, and so when I first started out trying to really pray, I went to what was called these prayer meetings. Several of my, my college friends and others would gather together for these, for these prayer meetings, and really all it was is that we would just come together and sit around a table with our Bibles open and pray. And I, and I thought, I can do that. That sounds pretty easy. If that'll help me become a person of prayer and, and connect with God, that I, that I want to do this. And I, and I stepped into that thinking it would be easy. But I got to be honest with you, my biggest roadblock, sounds really weird for me to say, but my big, biggest roadblock was that I was raised in church. <laughs> you know, the, the, this, this subculture if you're not careful, it, it, it can affect, sometimes in a negative way, how you view things. And in church, in this culture, praying was something that, that I saw people do almost on autopilot. And, and, and so I began to take that on myself, that you, that you prayed before meals, you prayed before bed, you prayed before trips, you just, you just prayed in groups, you prayed as a church, you prayed as a family, it just, it just became a thing of, of what you do. And over my lifetime, I've heard thousands of people pray. Some really pray great prayers. Others, not so much. Some are extremely boring because they almost try to talk Shakespearean to God. Some prayers are so far over my head, even today, that I don't really know what they're talking about. And so when it came to, to me praying, I struggled. My, my, my prayers didn't sound right. They didn't, they didn't feel right. They didn't seem right. And so, so often I felt like my prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling. And so I began thinking that this isn't for me. Isn't that crazy for, for a guy going to Bible college to become a pastor to think that prayer isn't for me? That I, I'm never going to be one of those super praying types. And so I kind of abandoned the idea through a series of events, I came to experience, not realize, experience how much God loves me. And many of you know one of those, those situations and experiences was when my dad passed away. I was 32 years old. My dad passed away with cancer suddenly. And in that process, God stepped into my life in a way that I had never experienced before. And I realized Again, this can blow your mind, but I realized as a Bible college student training to be a pastor, I realized that God loves me. And it was through experiences like that that I began to connect with God in a way that was real and personal. That, that my prayer was not prayer. It was a conversation that I was having with a loving Heavenly Father. 
Yesterday was January 19th. 21 years ago. That's the day my dad passed away. And yesterday, I was reminded of how real he became to me. How real his love for me was exposed to my heart in a way that it changed me. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want you to experience. So that prayer is not something you do. It's, it's a connection that you have. It's a, conversa- a conversation that is ongoing based on a relationship that you have with a heavenly father. That's what I want to see happen in your life. That prayer becomes something real and yet supernatural when you connect with God. There's a passage that I came across. It's in the New Living, or I'm sorry, the Living Bible. Isaiah 30, verse 18. I love this passage. The Lord waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about prayer in that way, but that's what prayer is all about. It's not about what you're asking for. It's not about what you get out of it. It's simply you coming to God so that he can show his love to you. Would you bow your heads with me?